You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to our program, The Revealing Retina, presented by the American Retina Foundation. I am your host, Dr. Roy Levitt, chairman of the American Retina Foundation, and joining me today is Dr. Julia Haller, who is president of the American Society of Retina Specialists, the largest retina organization in the world, and she is also ophthalmologist-in-chief of Will's Eye Institute in Philadelphia. Today, we're going to keep an eye on macular degeneration. We have discussed in the past the differences between the types of macular degeneration and the demographics. Today, we're going to talk about treatment. First, I think we should go back briefly and discuss the two types of macular degeneration that we're dealing with and describe each a bit. Julia? Thanks so much, Roy, and it's a pleasure to be on the show today. Macular degeneration, as you know, is a gradual deterioration of the central visual field. So this is a disease that impacts on people's ability to see, to read, and drive. The majority of people, about 90% of people with macular degeneration, have the drive form. And that is the form that is a more gradual deteriorative process. About 10% get the wet form. The wet form can cause more rapid and severe loss of vision, and it's actually the major cause of legal blindness from the disease. And in wet macular degeneration, abnormal new blood vessels grow underneath the retina in the very center of the visual field, and these blood vessels leak fluid and blood, and this hemorrhaging causes severe scarring and loss of retinal tissue centrally so that people end up virtually blind legally in terms of their central ability to perceive things. So the dry form is less severe initially, but slowly progressive, and the wet form comes on like gangbusters. Exactly. Now, for dry macular degeneration, what are the current treatments? Dry macular degeneration is one of the areas where we are most actively doing research right now to find better treatments. All we currently have is the ability to treat with dietary supplements, basically. So a study called the Age-Related Eye Disease Study showed some years ago that high-dose ACE and zinc supplementation produced a 25% better long-term visual outcome in patients who were on that supplement compared to the patients who were on a placebo control medication. So in patients who have significant dry macular degeneration, and it requires a screening visit to determine that, we know that being on that type of dietary supplement makes a significant difference over time. There is further information since that study was done that there may be other types of dietary interventions that are beneficial as well, particularly in terms of omega-3 fatty acids and lutein and zeaxanthine type dietary supplements. So those types of supplements are being investigated now in the age-related eye disease study, and we'll know more about that in a few years. But for right now, what we would recommend is that people be screened, that they uh, have an ophthalmologist determine whether or not they have significant dry macular degeneration, and then if they do have it, that they go on the ARIDS formulation of vitamin and antioxidant supplement. The other thing I would say is this isn't really treatment so much as changing your lifestyle, but we know that 
smoking is a very significant risk factor for macular degeneration. So very important that people stop smoking right away to try to decrease their chance of, of, of macular degeneration, significantly impacting on their quality of life in, in their later years. Julia, there's a lot of advertising from Pharmacia today, and lutein and zeaxanthine are being pushed quite extensively. What would your advice be to patients that ask the question, should I take this? Well, you put your finger on a big issue because there are a lot of dietary supplements that are out there being recommended. And and the evidence about lutein and zeaxanthine is not straightforward. I usually advise my patients that a healthy diet where they eat plenty of green leafy vegetables and also colored vegetables, things like squash that contain carotenoids, are good for their health in general and good for their eyes. Whether or not supplementing with high doses of uh, other types of things like lutein is not as clear. Uh, We will have more information about this within a few years from the age-related eye disease 2 study. But, you know, it's entirely possible that taking high-dose supplements of one thing interferes with the body's ability to absorb other important nutrients, and it's possible that it could make things worse rather than better. So in the absence of good data, I have not pushed high-dose supplements in my patients, particularly the lutein supplements. That's a good point. Let's go on and start on wet macular degeneration. Unfortunately, it's the more severe form. However, we have more ways of treating this. And it might be an interesting way to approach this by talking about the history of how we have treated wet macular degeneration in the past from early on, basically hands-on, the shoulder comforting the patient and not really being able to offer anything to the onset of photocoagulation. Would you like to discuss that a bit, Julia? Sure. The treatment of wet macular degeneration is one of the huge success stories in medicine, and it's been one of the most exciting things that I've seen in my own career because, as you allude to, you know, when we were residents, uh, all you could do is try to comfort people and, and send them to some type of rehabilitative facility where a low vision specialist could help them with bright lights and magnification and see if they could blow things up to the point where they could make out a little bit uh, and maybe be able to write their checks by themselves. That's really where we were. In the 80s, with the advent of uh, better laser technology, we started being able to treat certain types of wet macular degeneration, although there was still a downside that even with the treatment, we caused some visual loss. So we know that wet macular degeneration is caused by new blood vessels that develop in the central part of the retina. If those blood vessels were small enough, if you could catch them early enough, you could spot weld them with a laser and destroy them. Now, when you destroyed the abnormal bad blood vessels, unfortunately, you were also destroying the good, useful retinal tissue that was overlying them. So patients would end up with a permanent blind spot. But the idea behind the laser, and it worked some of the time, was that at least you could keep the blind spot small and hopefully maybe a little bit off to the side of central vision. Rather than having the disease continue to progress, the blood vessels continue to grow and produce a very large central scar. So that was as good as we had for many years. More recently, the technique of photodynamic therapy was developed, whereby the laser became more targeted and less destructive. What was done with that technique was that a drug called Visudine was injected in a vein, 
and the visudine would localize in the abnormal blood vessels, and it could be activated with a low-intensity laser, which would cause a um, photoreactive reaction in the, in the dye, which would release oxygen-free radicals, which would destroy the abnormal blood vessels. And that worked pretty well. That was the first treatment that actually preserved vision, although it still was not hugely successful at doing that. The big, big, big news came when Genentech developed a drug called Lucentis and its cousin Avastin. This happened two years ago. In 2006, we started using Avastin and Lucentis, and those have revolutionized our treatment of macular degeneration. We now find that we can stabilize vision in over 90% of patients with wet macular degeneration, and 30 or 40% of the patients we treat will actually gain significant amounts of vision with treatment. So these new drugs, which are actually injected into the eye, have totally and miraculously revolutionized the prognosis for wet macular degeneration. It's a very encouraging development. I'm going to identify ourselves for those that are just tuning in. I am Dr. Roy Levitt, and I'm speaking with Dr. Julia Haller, and we are discussing age-related macular degeneration. Julia, could you expand a bit on the drugs which are injected into the eye, how they work, and what may be in the pipeline for the future? Sure, Roy. Avastin and Lucentis are drugs that were formulated to be antibodies to a substance called vascular endothelial growth factor, VEGF. A key part of understanding how to treat macular degeneration was figuring out what causes it. And going back to 1971 or so, scientists had postulated that in eyes with abnormal blood vessel development and in parts of the body with abnormal blood vessel development, there must be some substance that the body was producing. Eventually, one of the key substances that the body was producing, this vascular endothelial growth factor or VEGF, was identified and isolated and then it genetic structure was identified. And after years of research, it was possible to develop an antibody to it. And this antibody was developed by a company called Genentech and that people are very familiar with, I think, in, in California. And Genentech modified this antibody in several different ways. They developed it for treatment of cancer as well, because we know tumors are nourished and are allowed to grow by the development of new blood vessels. So the antibody was developed to target the tumors, and that drug was Avastin. And they also modified the Avastin molecule to make it smaller and less antigenic and to have a higher affinity for VEGF so that it could be injected into the eye. And that drug is called Lucentis. So these are specific antibodies to vascular endothelial growth factor. They're injected in the eye and they're highly effective. Further research is now being done to develop other types of drugs, some of which are targeted at VEGF as well. And one of the goals of these treatments is to develop even better ways of preserving vision, also to try to reduce the number of treatments that are necessary. Currently, uh, with Lucinus and Avastin, we're injecting them on a monthly basis, at least for some months. Uh, it would be nice to be able to have drugs that could be injected less frequently into the eye that worked better 
And it would also be nice to have some drugs that you didn't have to put into the eye that could be given topically or systemically so that patients didn't have to have a needle in their eye. Talking about having a needle in the eye, what is the incidence of infection with this sort of a procedure? Well, with careful prepping and the types of precautions that we take when doing an intravitreal injection, the risk should be very small. I usually quote patients about a 1 in 10,000 risk of infection. I think that's very good. Dr. Haller, thanks very much for spending the time with us talking about macular degeneration. Thank you, Roy. I'm your host, Dr. Roy Levitt, and I'd like to thank you for listening to The Revealing Retina, presented by the American Retina Foundation. For more information, visit us online at AmericanRetina.org. For questions and comments about this or any other show, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you access to our entire program library. Again, thanks for listening.